Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 280 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the fact that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's dive in. Over the last several weeks, we've been walking through the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And in this week's episode, we're looking at John chapter 11, when Jesus makes the grand declaration that he is the resurrection and the life. Now, just to set the stage and to kind of give some context, at the beginning of John chapter 11, we are told that a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, we are told in verse 3 that the sisters sent to Jesus a message saying, Lord, behold the one whom you love is sick. But Jesus, when he heard that, he replies, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, it's interesting, as you follow the passage through, we find out that Lazarus died, that Jesus purposely tarried four days, and Lazarus has now departed. And I don't think the four days is an accident. I think there's a profundity in the middle of all that, partly because in the Jewish culture, the thought was, was that on the fourth day, the soul would actually depart. In other words, if you were going to raise someone from the dead, you would, now of course that was crazy as well, but if that was going to happen, it would have to happen within the first couple of days because by day four, the soul fully departs and therefore after four days, there is no hope. But what you see Jesus doing is as he comes on the scene, he meets with Martha and it says in verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, as you jump into verse 17, it says that when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, this is verse 20, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then here's our passage. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? It's an interesting passage. And when you dive into this and you examine it, it's fascinating that the whole issue actually is not about Lazarus. Yes, he's the central kind of the backdrop, if you will, of the passage. We're dealing with the fact that Lazarus has died. But the passage more has to do with those who are alive than those who are dead. Jesus walks up to Martha and is asking her a very key question. Martha, are you going to trust me? I've talked about this idea of belief in the gospel of John before. In in our story here, when Jesus says, hey, will you believe this? Hey, are you going to believe in me? That word belief in the gospel of John isn't just some mental ascent. It's a practical reality. It's a gripping of something. And I think even in our passage, it would actually be a, a good way to think it through if you just think of it in terms of trust. Because again, we're not talking like this mental ascent, oh, I believe. But Jesus is saying, hey, are you going to put feet to this action? Are you actually going to trust me? Are you going to actually transition, change, practically do something in your life that showcases and demonstrates the reality that your trust is in me? So let me just, if, if, I, if you'll permit me to have an amplified translation here, <laughs> John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, listen to the statement with this idea of trust in, in replacement of the word believe. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever trusts in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and trusts in me shall never die. Do you trust this? So when you get to this heart of this battle or the heart of the question that Jesus is presenting to Martha, the issue itself is actually not, do you believe in the resurrection? Well, all the Jews, for the, for the majority's sake, back in Jesus's day, you could maybe argue the Sadducees had a whole different perspective, but the majority of the Jews had a belief in the resurrection. But yet, when you look at what Jesus is asking, the question is not, do you trust, believe in the resurrection? The question is, will you trust me? who is the resurrection. It's fascinating. Scholars tell us that there is no promise in Jesus's statement that he would actually raise Lazarus. So we know the end of the story. So when we hear Jesus's statement to Martha, we just naturally or mentally jump to the in conclusion. But if we were to actually walk in the shoes of Martha, we would realize that Jesus is having her place her hope in him regardless of the circumstance. In other words, there was no guarantee of the resurrection of her brother. And what Jesus is actually appealing is, Martha, would you actually believe, would you trust that I am the resurrection? I am the hope that you are actually looking for. Yes, you presume it someday, this last day thing at the end, 
and that there'll be resurrection. But Martha, rather than putting your hope and your trust in that, would you put your hope and trust in me? I want to come back to that in just a moment here, but I want to look at this idea of the resurrection. Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. And when you look at this idea of resurrection, I just want to give a couple of thoughts as it relates to this idea of Jesus being the resurrection. The first one is that the way that Jesus talks about the resurrection is that it is more than an event. What you see Martha thinking about the resurrection is that it is some event on the, as she says, the last day. But Jesus is talking about himself. In other words, Jesus is linking himself so tightly to the resurrection and the life that it's not that he gives them, but that he is the resurrection and the life itself. In other words, he is the source and the power of the resurrection. He is life itself. So rather than placing hope in some last day event, Jesus is trying to turn Martha's perspective from this event to himself. A second idea when it comes to this idea of resurrection is that Jesus is talking about the resurrection as if it is a present reality, not merely a future thing. There's this interesting tension in scripture, and a lot of times we call it the now and not yet. That there is a present reality of something, even though the fulfillment, the fruition, the totality of it is still sometime in the future. For example, in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the inheritance that we have in Christ. And it's interesting when you think about inheritance, a lot of times we think, oh yeah, it's it's that eternal thing that we'll have forever and ever, amen. But Paul talks about it in terms of a present reality. And you could say, well, okay, Paul, that's great. I, okay, I, I have eternal life now. I have this inheritance thing now, but the fruition of that is still coming. And he would say, yeah, that's, that's correct. Because it is a now and not yet concept. And you also see that in this idea of resurrection, that we actually get to experience spiritual resurrection right now, even though our bodily resurrection will be sometime in the future. That there are these components of the now and the not yet as it relates to this idea of the resurrection. A third just concept that it seems like Jesus is presenting to Martha is this idea that the resurrection isn't just some abstract concept, but it is like a concrete reality. When you go back and look at the Jewish concept that there would be one day a resurrection on the last day, it seems like, again, Jesus is pointing out the fact to Martha of not, hey, don't have this abstract hope for something in the future. That he actually wants her to have a concrete conviction and a reality of that in her life right now. That this isn't like, well, okay, Jesus, maybe sometime in the future, I'll have this grand hope that there'll be some, this, this, and it becomes this abstract concept, this pie in the sky, this dream kind of a state of this hope and, and, and expectation. And yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 Martha, the resurrection and the life is standing right in front of you. Hey, so would you have a concrete conviction of the truth? That not just something in the future, again, it's not just a future event, it's a present reality. Would you be just, would you stand upon the firm reality that I myself 
am your resurrection and your life. Which brings us to this other idea when it comes to the idea of resurrection. Resurrection is a passageway through death. See, though we may physically die, for a believer, that's not the end. There is hope. I love what one author said. He said, resurrection happens not in spite of death, but because of it. Christian faith offers hope because it faces death squarely and moves through it, not around it. It means that pain, disappointment, and heartache are not final realities. Isn't that great news? That we often look at death and we're like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to have to face death. And yet, for a Christian, death is merely the, the doorway into a greater reality that we can have tremendous hope even in the midst of death, even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of heartache and pain, because we recognize that death is the doorway that leads us into a better, more fulfilling, more intimate experience with our living God. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, that there is this reality that that it is through death that we experience, through the difficulties, we experience a greater hope. So the focus of our hope is not that we will live again, though we will. The hope that we have is Jesus because he is that resurrection and that life. And that brings up a great reminder that resurrection is not a returning to something that once was. In other words, it's not a restoration. It's a transformation into something greater. Listen to what one author said about this idea. I thought it was really profound. He said, the way people talk about resurrection, I wonder if many times they mean resuscitation instead. The two are different. Resuscitation means bringing back to life, returning life to the way it was. Resurrection means a whole new life, a different life. Isn't that a great thought? That, And, and I'm so guilty of this. When I think of resurrection, I'm like, okay, great. I'll go through death. Okay, that'll be maybe it'll be crazy. But but hey, at least I'll be able to be back to where I was. <laughs> no, no, I actually don't want to go back to where I was. I, I want to be transformed into his likeness in a whole nother level. I, I want to be pressed into a greater intimacy and relationship with the God of the universe. I want to experience the totality and the fullness of all that he has for me. And so I don't want to be resuscitated. I don't want to go back to what I had. I want to be resurrected into the reality of all that God still has for me in the eternal realities. Isn't that a great idea? So here is Jesus talking about the fact that he himself is the resurrection. He is that means by which we experience a whole new, different, transformed life because he is the resurrection and the life. And again, maybe just one final thought about the resurrection here is the fact that the resurrection is not an end to something, but it is the means to which we experience a greater life. And in other words, if you experience resurrection, then as John's gospel often presents it, John says, I'm writing this gospel so that you would experience life and life abundant. That, that, that resurrection reality that we get to have in Christ because he is the resurrection means we actually get to partake of a greater, more abundant life, not just in the present, 
but for all eternity. So think about this. Death cannot break a real relationship with God. Think about this. Death only enhances it. In other words, if if I have a genuine, real relationship with the God of the universe, then death doesn't sever that. It actually enhances it. It actually brings me into a greater reality, a greater intimacy, a greater oneness with the God of the universe and whom I love and have a relationship with. So while our modern world is constantly fighting against the looming death that they're going to experience, despite the fact that the modern world is doing everything in its power to see if we can live longer or not look like we are dying, for a Christian, we should rejoice in the fact that death is merely a doorway into greater life and greater intimacy with Jesus because he is that resurrection and the life. So let's go back to our passage. Lazarus has died. Martha doesn't know that Jesus is going to bring Lazarus back from death unto life. And here is Jesus talking to Martha. And again, in in chapter 11 of the book of John, verse 25, Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And the question is presented to Martha. And I actually think it's the same question that is presented to all of us. Are we actually going to believe? Are we going to trust in our precious Jesus that he is, not not that he has resurrection in life, not that he's going to give us something, but that he is the very thing that we need? Am I going to believe in my life that regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my situations, regardless of what may be swirling on around me, am I going to believe that Jesus is my hope? That he is the doorway. He is the means by which I can have a greater life in him. Do, do I actually trust that regardless of my circumstance and the pain and the heartache and the craziness that may be swirling around me, even in the face of death, am I going to hold tight to the fact that Jesus is my hope? He and he alone is my resurrection and my life. So let me ask us, where is our hope found? When crisis comes, when when we face death and difficulty, where do we turn our gaze? Where do we put our expectation? Where do we find our sense of hope? And if it's in anything but Jesus, then you realize our hope is placed in the wrong thing. If we turn to money, if we turn to people, if we turn to medicine, if we turn to entertainment, if we turn to anything other than Jesus, then our hope is actually placed in the wrong thing. Think about Martha. In a time of crisis, and in this moment where there was no hope, Lazarus was four days dead. Yet Jesus is trying to turn her gaze, her focus, her expectation to himself. Martha? Would you trust me in this? Even in this, would you trust me? And it's fascinating when you look at Martha's response, because Martha says in in verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. 
when you look at that in the Greek, scholars have pointed out the fact that the emphatic nature of her statement is so strong that it is a deep conviction in her life when she makes it. It's not a trembling, oh Jesus, I I, I really do, I, I really want to believe you. I really, I really, I want to put my hope in you. That, that, that That's not happening in the passage. That there is a strong conviction that Martha has. And she looks at Jesus and said, Jesus, amen. Yes, you are. I'm going to believe. I'm going to actually change my actions to line up with the reality that you and you alone are my resurrection and my life. Can I ask us, have we done that? Do we recognize that, yes, there's coming a day when there's going to be a full resurrection of our bodies and there's going to be a restoration of all things. Praise the Lord. And yet, are you and I living today as if Jesus is, in fact, our resurrection and our life? Is it merely a hope that we have? Is it some dream and future expectation? Or is it a present reality in which we have placed our belief, our trust, our faith in the God of the universe? Again, I think one of the undercurrent realities of this passage is a reminder that that we're not just to go after Jesus for the things that he can give us. I'm not going after Jesus because I want resurrection. I'm not going after Jesus because I want to get out of hell free card. I'm not going after Jesus because I'm going to receive something from him. Jesus says he is the very thing that I need. That I'm not to get resurrection from him. I'm not just to get life from him. He is those very things that I desperately need. That he is my resurrection and my life. So can I encourage all of us today? Can we come and bask in the reality of Christ, not for what we get from him, but because of him? That he and he alone is sufficient for everything that we need in our lives. Well, I hope that's just a fresh reminder to turn our gaze upon the Lord and seek him, not the things that he can give us. Well, as always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those things that I mentioned about the resurrection, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 280 for episode 280. And until next time, where we continue this mini series walking through the I Am Statements of Jesus, know that I am praying for you. I'm cheering you on as you build your life around the resurrection and the life, which is Jesus himself. See you next time.